If you're a Patreon supporter of Washington Beer Talk, then go no further. Switch over to your Patreon feed right now because I'm releasing this episode right alongside the full-length uncut interview right now. So leave and go over there. If you don't know what Patreon is, then go to patreon.com slash cyclingcicerone to find out what kind of perks you can be getting from this podcast. Now on with the show. I'm Andrew Bieber, the Cycling Certified Cicerone, and this week, and for the next few weeks, we'll be in Bellingham. Bellingham is a city north of Seattle that has a ton of breweries, including cideries, like this one, Bellingham Cider Co., co-owned by Josh, my interview today. He does the cider half of this cider-based brew pub. Cidery pub? Cidery pub. Let's call it a cidery pub. Welcome to Washington Beer Talk. Who am I chatting with today? Joshua Surface, partial owner, cider maker, Millingham Cider Company. And who else do we have here? I'm Mia McCurdy. I'm the Miss Roan. <laughs> Co-host of today? Yeah, just for today. <laughs> right on. So you said you're one of the co-owners of yeah. Bellingham. So uh, who else is involved? Bryce Hamilton. He's my longtime friend, business partner, restaurant side, bar thing. And then I'm mostly the cider maker, production, okay. distribution. So I guess it wouldn't be too much of a stretch to kind of assume that maybe he wanted to have a restaurant, you wanted to have a cidery, and that then you correct. guys came together? <laughs> well, he more wanted a bar. And then it's like, well, if we want to have hard liquor in the state of Washington, we got to have food. And then... We're like, I'll just have food, and then it kind of grew into the animal that is upstairs right now, which is all local, fresh, no freezers. Um, we have a lot of a lot of great reviews. People love our food. Uh, we're, our logo is fiercely local. That's our motto. And um, like last month was Eat Local Month, so we were big on Eat Local. I think 80 to 90% of our menu was all local farms. Oh, wow. Uh, we try to run about 40% of that through the winter mm-hmm. um, as far as the best we can do, so. Okay. I imagine that it's not too hard to have a local cider, like local apples in Washington. It's not hard, no, yeah, depending on what your definition of local is. Right. Um, I mean, as far as the food goes, our, defini- our definition of local is more Skagit, Whatcom counties, but as far as cider goes, yeah, I mean, I got to go east of the mountains really to get right. the, the amount of juice I need. I say that counts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did you guys have any background going into this? Where did you start brewing cider? You know, where did um, where'd your, where'd your partner start cooking food? Uh Actually, um, <laughs> none of us have ever done any of this when we started. We've been talking about it for uh, 10 years, 12 years probably now. Um, kind of started with a talk with him and, and uh, the gentleman, Glenn, who runs the theater that's attached to this. That was their initial thought because they both started Idiom Theater in here was to have a bar restaurant attached to a theater. Bryce and I met. Uh, we're both firefighter paramedics. And so he and I met in the back of an ambulance 15 years ago. We just kind of been following each other around and kind of kept talking about it. About 10 years ago, we really started talking about it. And then, yeah, about three years ago, it's like finally time to either do it or get on board or go away. You know, yeah. stop, stop worrying. <laughs> no, stop up. dreaming about it, right? <laughs> yeah. Shit or get off the pot, however you want to talk about it. I guess it's a podcast I can cut. So, yeah, it was just kind of one of those things where it was time to do that. And so, anyways, about our history, really, yeah, we don't, none of us have owned a restaurant, never done a cidery before. Um, all my experience from cider making comes from homemaking and stuff, homebrewing. I did all much of that. I did a lot of homebrewing before it was cool to homebrew and started doing a lot of cider because my girlfriend didn't, didn't like beer. She's like, oh, okay. can you make me cider? I'm like, well, sure. I own the same fermentation process now. And then it just kind of grew to where I started liking making cider a lot more, had a lot more fun making cider than I did beer. I felt I could do a lot more with cider and the flavors and 
combining different juices and yeasts and everything. It just it was a lot of fun for me. So, and then we came up here. We knew we were going to do a craft beverage of some sort when we came up here. We didn't know what it was going to be exactly. What it was going to be. Originally, it was going to be beer, right? I mean, that was everybody's dream, especially during the, the microbrewing boom. It was everybody's dream to do that. When we came back up here, it was just like, there was great breweries, you know, Colson, Boundary, Chucknut, all those guys. And it's just like, why do I need to compete against great beer? And there was no cideries. And Eric Jorgensen up in North Fork, uh, he was kind of helping me with beer a little bit. And I kept taking in my cider every time I go up there. And he goes, man, you just need to make cider. This is the best cider I've ever had. You just need to make cider. I'm like, okay, that kind of clicked. And then my girlfriend kept bugging me. He goes, you need to open a cider. You need to open a cider. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I do have fun making cider. But it's like the market was just so unknown then. Yeah. We wanted to have a successful business, right? And that's what you're always shooting for. And not for the sure thing, of course, but something that's least positive. And, and so finally I went to Bryce one day and said, dude, we need to do a cider. And he's, he said no. And, <laughs> we'll, and we separated. And uh, he texts me the next morning and goes, yeah, let's do it. And so, and... The rest is history. How long um, ago was that? Uh, we've been open for a year and a half. So uh, we signed a release here in August. So it'd be two years ago, August. We signed a release here. That's um, crazy. Uh, you, so we were here a year ago, first first time visiting here, and we assumed it had been around yeah, for a little while. It came mm -hmm. off very well established, <laughs> yeah. I should say. Well, it, yeah. was, it was kind of one of those things where we, and I told, I've told people this before, um, and I'm very proud of it, is the fact that we... Bryce and I don't really know. We didn't know what we were doing when we started this. And we took our experience back from the fire service. He and I both in the fire service. And, you know, you have leaders in the fire service. You have captains or chiefs or whatever it is. Whoever that leader is necessarily doesn't know how to be a paramedic or doesn't know how to do specific technical rescue, doesn't know how to do intricate things of the services of the department, but he knows how to lead people successfully. And so I think that's kind of the step that Bryce and I took when we came into here is like, we don't know how to cook. I mean, I know how to cook. I can make a top, wicked top ramen. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's like, I don't know how to do that. Bryce doesn't know how to do that. We don't know how to mix drinks. I'm sure I can make a rum and coke. But, you know, we're, we just, we brought people in together who knew what their specific roles were and tried to lead them as a team. Plus, we brought the kind of the family mentality of the fire service here, which has been huge. Um, people love working for us. Yeah. You know, we're pretty hot commodity here, but a lot of people want to come work for us and, We've had a lot of the same staff that we served with, so it's been pretty cool. That's got to be one of the trickier parts of establishing a business is actually getting like quality yeah. employees and fostering a, an environment that everyone wants to be a part of. Yeah. So yeah. It's, yeah, we just we give them all um, you know a space to give their opinion, and a lot of times you know, and we just we work with them. We don't we don't lead them. We don't we're not their boss. You know, we feel that we're the leader, and we try to point them in a direction where we want to go as a group. But a lot of times they've curved us in another different direction. It's like, oh, yeah, we need to go this way. They're right. Yeah. I'll be the first to admit when I'm wrong. But I imagine down here in the basement, in the cidery where we are, you're probably the expert. Uh, yes, as far as the company, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, they come to me a lot with that. Um, definitely not an expert by any means. I'm still learning. Yeah, it's been going really good so far. People, the community has really surrounded us and supported us and um, loved my cider, which has been great. Makes you feel good. You know, yeah. when, when you, people come in like, oh, man, this, thank you. This is a great cider. Finally, we're having a dry cider because that's kind of more of my ciders. It's more on the on the drier side. Mm. We can go through and taste some at some point. Yeah, I'm, certain, I'm, looking, kinda, at the, I'm looking at the flight over there. I can kind of teach and tell you which one kind of my sweetest one is, which is definitely yeah. more of a semi-sweet, semi-dry realm. I do a lot of flavor. 
I like it to be a hint sometimes, and sometimes I like it to really be out there. And I just like to, you know, explore and exchange and, and try new flavors, new yeast, new stuff that just kind of tickles your mouth and lets you, you know, have different experiences. So yeah. it's a lot of fun. I like your story about being a home brewer that kind of, you know, like falls in love with cider on that mm-hmm. side because I've definitely seen it happen to myself. Brewing, home brewing beer is fun and all, and there's a lot to learn there. And there's also a lot of ways you can really mess it up. And you might spend all day on a brew day just to brew a you know, five gallon batch of something that no one wants to drink. Exactly. And, I've done uh, that a couple of times. And uh, yeah, uh, but you know, my first couple of tries brewing cider, you know, it's a, uh, it is a lot more fun because it feel it almost feels at least to me like, like there are fewer variables, at least in my, you know, as far as I'm concerned. And I want to hear your water, take on basically that. not having to deal with the water. Not having to deal with the water is fantastic. Dealing mm-hmm. with hops only if you want to, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, that'd be, that'd be something cool. But I, yeah. So, but for me, when I'm brewing cider, it's very much a like, Buy some juice, get some yeast, maybe tinker with the yeast a little bit, but really just sort of pick whatever's gonna, yep. whatever will ferment. Clean. Champagne. Yeah. And then, um, you know, throw some new, throw some nutrients in there, you know, yep. whatever, call it a day. But uh, what kind of stuff do you do to really elevate cider beyond, you know, what I'm imagining, which is at least trying to buy apple juice that doesn't have vitamin C added or whatever? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's really two different. I mean, I guess the way in my, this is a lot of this, uh, I'm gonna say is my opinion. Um, <clears throat> but a lot of my opinion, I think, is a lot of it goes to, there's two different, in my opinion, there's two different roads you could go down when it comes to cider making. One is you're going for that either single varietal or those blends of high-end cider apples, cider apple juice, uh, the Kingston Blacks, and the Brown Snouts, and all those ones. And you're really trying to get towards the wine drinker because that's the price point you have to be at in order to make that affordable, mm. in, in, order, in order to make a successful business, really, mm. is you're, you're going for the wine drinker. Or you go for the beer drinker in kind of that price point. And so that's kind of where I went. We decided to go with that route. It's easier to get the commodity juice. It's more consistent. It's, it's easier at a price point to get the most people, especially mm-hmm. here in this college town, even though we do have a, you know, older clientele that come in here and actually don't get a lot of college students that come in here specifically just because of the price point of our restaurant. Yeah. You know, we're up at, you know, 14, 15 bucks, you know, for a plate and stuff yeah. like that. So we don't get a lot of the college students here. Um, but I know they drink the crud out of it at a lot of, you know, other local garden. places, beer garden, swine house, places like that. There's some cider makers up here, Chris from Renaissance and stuff. They're just awesome cider makers. He makes killer stuff, you know, but it's all stuff from his orchard. And we try to help him out and, you know, we carry a cake here for him and stuff and serve. And, and so it's just about community for that. At least my stuff, you know, I feel there's only so much you can do with a commodity juice, i.e. dessert apple with maybe a little bit of a blend of some sort of a cider apple in it. There's only so much flavor you can get before it kind of tastes the same, no matter what kind of yeast you use or no matter what kind of this you use. So I kind of try to go more towards fruits and other adjuncts in there to change your flavor profile. You know, I've done a lemon sage. I've done blackberry ginger, which was one I've had from day one. The nice thing that really showed the market, though, back then and what the market wanted, at least in the, the group of people that came into this restaurant, was blackberry ginger was my first seller, and I kind of figured it would be, but dry was number two. And that really sunk it into me that, like, what I'm doing and what I wanted to do was was going to work, yeah. right? And so I kept going down that path and kept trudging forward with drier ciders that were still flavorful, and you could still know what they were, but it, it just didn't taste like candy. It didn't taste like a Jolly Rancher. It didn't taste like an Angry Orchard. It didn't taste like any of that yeah. junk, right? You could have a nice glass of cider and not feel like you have to go take a shot of insulin when you're done you know <laughs> yes 
Um, what I really want to talk to you about is, I was because I was already sort of trying to think, where does cider fall if, if wine and beer are the spectrum? You know, mm -hmm. where does cider fall in the middle? And then you, your the answer to the earlier question sort of blew that open by a lot. So I really want to kind of go down the train of talking about those high-end apples and, or, or versus commodity juice and, you know, what your supply chain kind of looks like. But we're talking about cider right now. Mm -hmm. We're getting into the types of stuff you like to brew. I'm staring at the flights over there. I think we got to talk a little bit about some of the individual ones. Yeah, sure. Um, so should we have a taste? Yeah. This is the dry cider. I want to start dry so it doesn't like coat your palate with like hop oils and stuff. Um, so that's just a yeah, commodity juice. Um, comes from Eastern Washington. You kind of ferment it down, do a nice little bit of an acid balance before I start fermenting and try to get the, the mouth that I want and stuff and the acid level. What's the, uh, how do you do that? What's like the process? Um, a lot of it's just your titratable acidities and stuff, testing those and make sure. The nice thing about this product is it's pretty consistent. You know, when I get it from, from the east side, it's just, it's a consistent apple. I can order it however I want it. You know, they, they give it to me the way I want it. So you're buying, you're buying commodity juice, which means it, it comes to you in juice form, unfermented, ready to, like, good, good would be great to drink. Yeah, you um, could definitely, you know, drink it. You know, stuff we probably grew up drinking when we were kids. Yeah. So yeah, well, I guess I was just gonna say, how does it compare to the to the stuff you might buy in a grocery store? But it's pretty similar. I mean, this some of the stuff I get, I can get a little bit more of a tannin acid level in it due to they do. We'll do a little bit of a blend sometimes of more of your cider apple style juice. They'll do a blend for me. Traditionally, my opinion is I've had some hundred percent cider apple apple cider mm -hmm. um, as far as hard cider, and it's good. But I think if you can do a blend sometimes between your uh, which makes it go farther anyways, but a nice blend between a commodity juice and a cider apple juice. I think it makes a nice, well-rounded, more cider. You can get a little higher ABV out of it. You'll still get that mouthfeel, that acid, the tannin, everything you want. Because this stuff, that's, you know, it's 6.7%. So, you know, I run a little high on yeah. my stuff. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's nice because, you know, people, you don't feel full when you're at the end of it and like beer. Don't get me wrong. I love beer. Yeah. I still drink beer. I still love beer. All right, what else have we got? Your cherry dry. So it's pretty much kind of the same style cider that I make there. Um, I just uh, add in some uh, some Bing, uh, Rainier cherry. It's a Rainier Bing mix cherry juice in there. Just a little bit more, uh, you know, just a hint of cherry and stuff. It does. It's not like not like a Jolly Rancher. It's just I like to some of my stuff. I like especially summertime. I like to kind of still make it refreshing and kind of a hint. That one's a pretty hot seller in the summertime. Yeah, you can definitely taste the cherry. The color. It's just bright red, yeah. almost like a little, um, it's a little brandy-ish, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, kind of a pinkish red. Yeah. Is that what some of those, you mentioned a style of cider that's like higher end going for a wine drinker customer-wise. Is that similar to the brandy making? Like the only cider, cidery, I guess, that I know that does something like that would be Finn River mm -hmm. or even Dragon's Head on Vashon. Sure. Is that the type of stuff that you're talking about? Those? Yeah, I, well, I don't know. I, I kind of think... Because I, I, I don't know. I think some of Finn River's stuff... Yeah, Finn River does both. And I think they do both exceptionally well. They're a great cidery. They do awesome work. You know, they were definitely probably one of the first major cideries in the area, I think. Our area, meaning Western Washington, that was distributed. That was one of the first ciders I had when I came up here. I had that and the Ciderhead cider, you know, from Honeymoon Mead. At Dragon's Head, I really haven't had a chance to really partake in. I've met her a few times at some festivals. Um, I don't know if they're, it's like most of the time I see her stuff, it's in bottles, so maybe more towards yeah, that wine fine. drinker. Okay. Yeah, um, definitely. That's the wine. That's their wine their style. Their wine style. Yeah. 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 Um, they're growing all their own apples, you know, on their orchard. Right, too. they do have yeah. an orchard. 
I just had never thought of it like that, really. I thought of it more of a gluten-free drinker, like someone who's at a brewery but doesn't want to drink gluten, they'll get the cider, or people like my mom who don't like beer. And so I hadn't thought of it from that perspective, but that totally makes sense because it, even when you look at the bottle style, they're usually bottled in a little more... Like the bottle labels are prettier and more intricate and, and kind of marketed towards wine. Well, it's just that's the Blackbridge entry. Um, it's a it's a difficult market, you know, because I've had some people come in, you know, some little smaller cideries like that, and like, hey, would you help me sell? I'm like, yeah, no problem. What do you got? And he's like, I got bottles. I'm like, bro, like yeah. it's hard because if, if if I crack a bottle and serve a ten ounce or whatever size we deem that to sell, and nobody else buys it. Yeah, it's not good. I bought it, right? If yeah. you can put it in a keg, I'll sell it, right? Yeah. So, um, which cuts their profit margin considerably to where they're, they're already spending so much either on their farm raising, you know, taking care of the apples and all their time and everything. It really cuts their profit margin down to where they're not making any money either. And I feel bad. I can't help them as much. But, you know, I, if I don't, if a cider like that's taken up a tap, you know, it, it kind of cuts down on my... Yeah, you know, on our ability to grow as a as a company. So let's, let's talk a little bit more about the difference between you know, low, like I, I call it low end commodity juice, kind of well, under, undercuts the quality of that first cider we have. No, it's, if you uh, want to call it, we can just say uh, uh, we call it dessert apple juice. If you want to call it dessert apples, fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can say commodity juice, yeah. whatever. Do you know anything about the, the the apples that go into that? Is it the like, commodity juice? Yeah, it'd be more like your Granny Smiths, um, kind of the ones that are just. Um, more affordable, more more rapid, more readily available on the east side. Mm. You know your Fuji's. A lot of times it's your windfalls, your brews, and stuff like that. So it'd be your, um, you know, your Granny Smiths, your Fuji's, Honeycrisp, Galas. You know, a lot of those ones that are something you would find in the table or in the kitchen of somebody's house. That's yeah, edible. Okay, right. And if you're going cider side, the mm-hmm. fan, like I guess if, if, is that the spectrum like commodity uh, and then cider. I think there's no there's you got um, there's different kinds. You know you got bitter sweets, bitter sharps. Uh, as far as the cider side apples go, I kind of cut it there as far as between the two as far as what I use. But there's yeah there's bitter bitter sweets, bitter sharps, high tannin, crab apples. A lot of those ones up in that realm where a lot of those guys are blending. A commodity, a, a, a one of those, you know, two or three or four. Sometimes there's single varietal. Sometimes there's six, eight apples in a in a blend to get whatever flavor profile they want. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's definitely that, those two realms. Okay, so let's see which which one did we just have? Blackberry you ginger. Passed me the blackberry ginger. Mm-hmm. It's the hottest seller. It's the biggest one. The ginger is pretty subdued in it. If I'm being honest, it yeah. tastes really black. I can really you can really taste the blackberry, but a little less. Yeah, I didn't want to be overpowering because there's a lot of people like, oh, I don't like ginger. I'm like, just try it. Yeah. And they try it and they're like, oh my God. Yeah. It just brightens it up. It's just enough to brighten it up and not be too syrupy, syrupy and dark like a blackberry juice would be, yeah. I think, in my mind. Yeah, I, this is so distinct. I remember drinking this from last year <laughs> and being like, oh, this is so good. What's the ratio of apple juice to blackberry juice? Oh, there's... Is it really just such a small amount of blackberry juice? Yeah, it's, uh, well, 310 gallons black... Uh, 310 gallons of cider with 30 gallons of blackberry juice-ish. So what's that? 10%? About 10%-ish. 13%. So how did that go, the scaling up of recipes? (laughs) I'm always interested in that because you mentioned having this, like, hobby. And I always hear brewers struggling with that a lot, the 
this because cider making is so different. It is. um, The lifesaver for me to combat that a lot was locust cider. I contacted Jason one time. We're members of Northwest Cider Association. We went down for, I think it was a class, it was a TTV class. This was before we even opened. We, were, we, didn't even, we haven't even signed our lease or anything yet. We were still in the dream mode. So I went down for a TTV class. After the class, we went over to Locust Cider. They, had a, they opened up their cidery so we can all come together and have a meet and greet there, hang out. We had pizza and drank cider and blah, blah, blah. I met Jason there, who's the owner, and was just kind of sitting there talking to him about what we were doing, what our goals were, what my, what my grand vision was, and had no clue how to get there. And I said, can I, can you help me? Can I come down and intern? I've talked to a couple of cideries about interning, uh, but with my full-time job, I couldn't do a commitment of yeah. this many days, and they didn't want to do... Local cider's pretty far from Bellingham. Yeah, yeah, it would be an hour and a half. Yeah, it wouldn't be bad. And so I called them, like, hey, I got a full, or I, I was talking to him that night. And I'm like, hey, man, I have a full time job. I, I just like to intern. I'll come wash kegs, truck tanks. I'll be, I'll be the dirty guy. Whatever you need to do, I just want to come work and learn and, you know, and, and see how, how to do a production style. <clears throat> and he goes, yeah, you can just come hang out. You don't have to work. And I'm like, no, no, I want to work because that's how I learn. I learn yeah. with my hands. And um, so he's like, all right, yeah, just come down whenever you can. And so I interned down there. Off and on for a year, probably. They like me down there on canning days and stuff. Yeah. Horrible job. (laughs) Um, But anyways, uh, I pay homage to them a lot. Um, You'll find their cider on here quite often uh, because if it wasn't for him and and his having his open door policy, I would not be here. Definitely. But to answer your question about scaling, it's difficult. A lot of it's luck. Unfortunately, it is trial and error and... You know, you, you blend something in a tank and some of the stuff I can fix, some of the stuff I can't. Once it's in the tank and in the bright tank and stuff, I can fix it sometimes, sometimes I can't. But it's, yeah, as far as the test batches go, there is some calculations you can do. But it never tastes the same as the small batch. Yeah. <laughs> I guess is where yeah. I get to it, you know. What are some of the levers you can pull? Uh, when I'm, you know, when I'm making a recipe for cider, I, you know, I'm limited to the cider, to the juice I can buy, and then usually how much brown sugar do I want to add? Uh, you're talking about adjusting the acidity of the of the juice. Uh, is it called anything different when before it's like free fermented juice? Is it called like, you know, like beer calls it wort? Yeah. You know? No, we just call it juice. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. It's just, just juice. nice and normal. It's Thank just you. juice to cider. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in the federal realm, it's. Yeah, it's juice, and then it's cider when it's fermented. But yeah, so what are the what are the levers you can pull? Like you've got yeah, adjusting acidity. What about you know once it's in the tank? Is there anything you can do? At all? Um, sometimes there's a little bit you can do. You can adjust your CO two levels. Adjust you know there's limits of what we can do as far as taxing and stuff on how many bubble how much use layman's terms how many bubbles we can have in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know you get up to a certain level of bubbles they consider it champagne, which is completely higher tax bracket than wow. what we currently pay. Um, you know, we're upwards, if you champagne's upwards of $3 a gallon tax rate. Um, so we try to stay way below that. Yeah. Um, and, but the nice thing was the Cider Act, um, you know, the United States Association of Cider Makers had done some, and with Oregon, uh, Oregon was a big push um, to do a Cider Tax Act to be able to get our bubbles a little bit more uh, just for standard ciders. You know, just stuff made completely, no other fruit, apple or pear only, no other fruit. Hmm. So you can still do hop, you can still do, 
house you do sage you know yeah. or other stuff that's not fruit um you could do that so still like wiggly or cherry and blackberry stuff has to be like lower carbonation correct. in order to fit under this threshold correct that's wild yeah 0.392 grams so you're right under or right under uh what is it one 1.92 volumes, I think is what it is for okay. your beer guys. Yeah, that's going to have to ask. Yeah, it's like 1.92 <laughs> volumes is what we can be okay. up to with our fruited ciders. We're upwards of, you can be upwards of four volumes huh. with uh, with your regular cider. Uh, you know, I always hate learning about just the silly laws that apply to different kinds of alcohol. I was talking to um, uh, Illuminati Brewery, mm-hmm. you know, I think they recently closed. Um, but he has wine, or he had wine on one side and brewery on, his, on the other side. And the law was for a while that he had to have a physical wall between the two, uh, which meant that he had to have like duplicate equipment. And at some point, the law changed, allowed him to take that wall down, or at least legally move equipment from one side to the other, and then brew. It, it was you could take the wall. You can take the wall down now, but it looked like I had a brewery here, all my green and molasses and everything that they deem needed for brewing beer has to be kept over there and everything for cider has to be kept over here yeah with lines on the magic line on the floor yeah it has to be a magic line on the floor it's all <laughs> about the lines <laughs> but, uh, it's been a lot of fun to learn all this stuff yeah yeah what a pain i'm gonna say fun yeah <laughs> especially when they're listening i love you <laughs> no there's actually been some really great people at ttv um that help us because you know they don't want they don't want us to break the law of course and yeah. we don't want to break the law and so they're willing to come in and help us and make sure that we follow the rules same thing with the state the state's been awesome with me anyways yeah i'm sure other people may have some horror stories but states they've always been great well it benefits everyone right they're making these laws are ridiculous for sure but <laughs> but they want us to succeed small businesses yeah. because it's better for their economy right. so yeah yeah it's really nice when you pay somebody money they actually are helpful <laughs> yeah, yeah, weird. weird. weird <laughs> what else have we got over there? Oh, uh, this is one I just kind of on the tail end of. It's a blueberry lemonade, um, kind of on the tail end. I ran it through the summer. We've got a slushy machine upstairs, um, so oh, we're done, really? kind of doing some slushy cider slushies. So you're making summer. blueberry lemonade slushies. Yeah, we did that one uh, at the beginning. I did a. Uh, Raspberry rhubarb cider. That that was the first one to go in the slushing machine. That was killer. It yeah, was so good. Uh, even even good on its own as its regular cider. Just a kind of a, so yeah. To get back into those levers, like you were talking about, those are some of the things, right? Throwing a little rhubarb in there to give a little tartness, something that's a little bit more than what I can do with acid, or a little bit of lemon in there to kind of brighten it up, or some spices, or you know, kind of whatever my palate feels like throwing in there. Yeah. I feel like rhubarb was the flavor of 2019 summer. There were lo- lots of good rhubarb mm-hmm. beers and well, it's like that thing. A lot of guys, a, a lot of guys were throwing out like strawberry rhubarb, which is well known. It's a well known yeah. pie. Grandma used to make it. Great grandma used to make it. And I just kind of go against the grainer once in a while. And I was like, yeah. no, I don't want to do strawberry. I don't want to be like everybody so else. So I decided to do raspberry instead. Yeah. And we're ten, what are we 10, 15 minutes away from Linden, which is one of the largest raspberry producers in yeah. in the West. So it's like. Okay, so do raspberry. Um, so that's kind of the route I went with that one. These blueberries from Linden, too? Uh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> they probably are. We ride in the RSVP the last couple of years. And that's the ride from Seattle to Vancouver, uh-huh. um, on the, where you ride 186 yep. miles. And we ride through Linden in the 
best part of riding through Linden is the fresh blueberries they give you on the way through. <laughs> At least you don't get stuck behind a crab truck from all the dairies. No, uh, no, but we go by those dairies. They mm-hmm. definitely smell. Oh, <laughs> takes me back home every time I drive up there. Where are you from originally? Uh, I was born and raised in a little town called Richfield, Washington, just north of uh, about 20 minutes north of Portland, Vancouver. Okay. So, born and raised on a farm there. And a lot of, that was probably the more capita, more cap, most capita dairies before. Back when I was way younger, they had more dairies down there than they had up here in London, I believe. Don't quote me on that. But, yeah. um, but then they kind of got shut down after a while. So. I grew up in a dairy town too, and most of them are closed mm-hmm. as well. Snohomish. Oh yeah. All yeah, dairies. Yeah, but now they're dairies. now they're all wedding venues. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. This seems to be the way to go because <laughs> yeah. your neighbors don't complain about the smell. Yeah. Of the wedding yeah. So, it's yeah. pretty crazy. So this one I did, it's a pina colada cider. So I did a collaboration with Coconut Kenny's, which is a local restaurant here. They've got like six locations. He came to me and asked me to make a cider just for him. More Hawaiian style. Um, what is Coconut Kenny's? Coconut Kenny's. Yeah, it's, a, it's a restaurant. Um, they got like six locations, more of a Hawaiian style um, food. They kind of do pizzas. They have Hawaiian bread sandwiches, a lot of pineapple, a lot of that. Cool. Kind of teriyaki, yeah. mahalo kind of thing, you know. Um, so he approached me and asked me if I wanted to make a cider Ooh, just for good. him. And I said, sure, let's let's try it. So the first one I made was a pog cider, pineapple, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I went for that first because it's a Hawaiian good one, you know. And then this was this has been second round was the pina colada. So I was pretty happy with that one turned out. Have I liked you? it. It's just not too coconutty, but yeah. it's, you know it's there. And the pineapple's there, but it's not overpowering and. Yeah, it turned out really good. I love this. How did you get this coconut in here for a cider? That seems like such a weird blend. Straight secret. It smells so good. What's what's on the horizon for the for the cidery? Are you gonna? Is, is it a lot of breweries I talk to are you know trying to scale up to get to this kind of you know production level, distribution level? You've got the brew pub going, so there's no real or cidery pub going. Yeah. Uh, so maybe you're not necessarily looking to expand or anything like that. I don't know what's on your mind, future wise. Yeah, we're we're definitely looking to grow. Of course, you know we've out we've outgrown our customer base here. Mm-hmm. Um, I've kind of outgrown the building. We knew we would. We knew we would outgrow the building. Mm-hmm. Um, at least my production. If, if only your listeners could see. How small this is. Yeah. And I put out what I put out last year, I think I put out ten I put out ten, fifteen thousand gallons of cider last year. Wow. My first year. Yeah. I cranked a lot that out. That is here. a lot of cider. But I had a lot of people I had a lot of buyers. Um, you know, kudos to the other cideries that came into this you know, yeah, that that opened up here in, in Bellingham. You know, it's been great to have other cideries open because it's just going to help the market as far as just cider knowledge grow. Yeah. Um, but they did dilute me a little bit as far as my sales. Yeah. Um, so I knew it was going to happen. You know, it was only a matter of time. So, mm-hmm. you know, so we're kind of coming back down a little bit. We've leveled it off. Our restaurant actually helped, you know, our restaurant continues to climb and go crazy, but we have, um, we have kind of maxed out on what our restaurant can handle because mm-hmm. we're pretty much full all the time. Yeah. Which is a good problem to have. Yeah. Um, but we can't get any more customers in here to drink cider. Right? Mm-hmm. Josh is doing a great job. Uh, you can see him. He was kind of cleaning over there when you were setting up. Um, Josh is my sales guy. He kind of helps me down here too. He's my assistant cider maker, sales, delivery, kind of go-go gadget. He does it kind of yeah. guy. So he's been great as far as sales, and he's definitely increased my outside sales considerably since, what, you know, because we had that dip when the guys, everybody came out, and then we slowly 
gain it back. So it's mm. been doing really good. My problem right now is just uh, cold storage because, you know, my ciders, I don't add sulfites. I don't add preservatives. I don't do any of that stuff. I got to keep it cold. So with cold storage, that's my issue with growth right now. We're talking about, we've been looking, looking at buildings, seeing what we can do, you know, and financially and talking with our financial guys. Again, bringing yeah. bringing people who know what they're doing in and trusting them. And so uh, we're talking with them and trying to see what we can do. It might be a, another production facility. Who knows where it is? Hopefully there's a tap house there. That's been kind of my dream to kind of, I think that that's the one, a group of people that we're missing out on is there's a big, there's still a, a food truck culture there here as well with the tap house and food truck culture that we've got with the breweries. And I think we're missing out on that. My dream is to have a tap house production facility, a little bit bigger and more cold storage. Allows me to make more cider at once so that I can focus more on my small batch stuff, which I really enjoy doing. If So you're, you're, you're going to, yeah, you want to have a brew pub over here that's got the restaurants and everything, and then you want to have another tap house that rotates through with food trucks and stuff. So that's, Yeah, either that or have our own, I don't know, whatever. Maybe both. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Bellingham Cider Food Truck, right? Yeah, why not? Yeah, that, no sounds crazy. Yeah. Yeah. that sounds great. That sounds great. If you did have your little, if you had your own tap room, mm-hmm. you expanded this new location, would you experiment more with those cider tier ciders um that's that's in the business model yes the business model or the dream if you will whatever you want to call it our business plan yes is to get to that level at some point but it's only going to be when financially stable it is i have i have 30 acres that i live on down in cedar Woolley that we bought bought and built a house on three four years ago um my plan is to plant some apples trees down there um and start growing some of my own Cider apples. So cool. If I can. Yeah. Um, right now, I just don't have the time. So yeah. um, I'm about ready to try to find somebody who can just go in and do it. Wait a minute. Well, should we talk about it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Just go in and, you know, I'll go in and plow. I got all the tractors and everything. So I'll just go plow and just start, you know, planting. Um, but yeah. I got to get to that level at some point. Uh, yeah. that, so that's that's kind of the, that, that would be the end game, right? Where I can have a commodity cider that's still tastes good and really good but then still have a higher end you know second label calling wandering angus and yeah you know or, or reverend nat and cascadia or, oh, or titan love, and i love Rob you Rob know Rob yeah any of those guys you know they kind of have a, a, a dual two roads to depending on which road you want to go down you yeah. know and i think it gives you a good outlet um so yeah that's the dream i don't know if we'll get there yeah you know this may just blow up like crazy and i just don't have time yeah. You know, it, it is what it is. I, I got to do, at some point I have a dream of what I want to do, but at some point I got to do what my customers want me to do. Thanks for listening. That was Josh of Bellingham Cider Company. If you want some delicious cider, head on up. If you want to hear more of what Josh has to say, well, you'll have to be a Patreon supporter. Go to patreon.com slash cyclingcicerone. Find out how you can get access to the full-length interview with Josh at Bellingham Cider. Next week, we'll be doing another Bellingham Brewery. Hey, are you a brewery that wants to be on a podcast? Shoot me an email. Andrew at cyclingcicerone.com.